Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. So this morning, um, been interesting because leading up to this morning, um, I feel like God's been just kind of doing all kinds of things in in me. And um, last night, as I was walking and praying, I felt pretty strongly that this morning I just need to come and read the scripture because that's enough because it's clear, <laughs> because that's where, that's where the power is. And so this morning, uh, just for those of you who are maybe about technical details, I did work on a message for today. <laughs> but I wanna read what God says to us as a people this morning. And whatever the Holy Spirit brings to my mind from my studies, then I'll go with that as I'm reading scripture. Which can be a little bit sketchy because last service, I got into an illustration that I think I totally botched. (laughs) We'll see if that happens this hour. (laughs) We'll see if that gets better. But if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1. In verse 22, and, and as we have been walking through this, the first thing that Peter says is that we are chosen. To those of us who are chosen by God, the foreknowledge of God the Father, to be set apart, to be made holy by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ. And this morning, I think that what we are stepping into is a very absolute definition of who you are, of our identity. Peter writes, through the power and the guide of the Holy Spirit, having purified your souls, or since you have have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth. And here's, Peter's not saying that there is some kind of works mentality salvation because what he's talking about is what we are called to do because first comes God's grace and the work that God does in us and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So since that has happened, you and I are in a process of purifying ourselves through the power indwelling of the Holy Spirit, through the grace of God, the work of Jesus on the cross. We are purifying ourselves by our obedience to the truth. We have a responsibility to be obedient to the truth, which is purifying us through the power of the Holy Spirit 
and the gospel and the grace of God. And you know what that purifying obedience is? It is a sincere brotherly love so that you show through your obedience, sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. You see, what, what, what our holiness playing out is played out in our love for one another. No matter what we think of each other, no matter what we are holding onto about someone else, our holiness, our purification that God calls us into by his grace, through his blood, in the power of the spirit, is to obey through loving one another. From a pure heart, heart not being the emotional hub that we think of it, but being the volitional, willful control center of our lives that we love each other willingly and volitionally because that's who we are. And we'll kind of come back to this. Why, how do we do this? Because it's really hard to love people. Since you have been born again or because you have been born again. That we purify ourselves through obedience by loving one another because we have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable not of something that is temporary or will go away, but of, but of something that is imperishable, that will last. That we've been born again by a different seed. Seeds can only produce what is inside of them. There's never been an instant where an apple seed has produced a banana tree. It doesn't work that way. And we are born again by a seed that has an identity that we then have, whether we like it or not. And so we are born again of an imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God, through the living and abiding word of God. That is this imperishable seed, the living and abiding and enduring word of God that we have been born again to, which gives us our identity. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass, the seed of grass brings forth grass and flowers. The grass withers and the flower falls. It's perishable. We planted new grass this, this, this spring and put in all new bushes and plants. And I've been battling all summer trying to keep the plants alive. I get these okay, but then these are starting to die and I didn't notice they were. They are perishable. 
because they are from perishable seeds. But, but he says, we are from an imperishable seeds. And he talks about grass and the flowers. And he says, the grass withers and flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That is the imperishable seed that we are, that defines our identity. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. So, and, so, and so there's something that we're supposed to do. We are supposed to, in the grace of God that comes before we even know God and the work that Jesus did and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we, we then work and obey and we love one another in a sincere and pure way. But there's not only things that we need to work toward, but there's things that we need to work out. Chapter two, therefore, rid yourselves of all, rid yourselves of all. This is just, understand that this is in the same context, relational context as loving others what we are getting rid of. And he says, rid yourself of all. So you can't have this against some people and not against others. It's not saying rid this from the relationships or people that you, you do like, but you can hold on to it for the, the relationships or the people that you don't like. Rid yourselves of all malice, which is literally badness. <laughs> rid yourself of all malice or badness, all deceit. Manipulation, lies, falsehood. Rid yourself of all hypocrisy. Play acting in front of people. Saying something to someone that you don't really mean. Like hypocrisy doesn't belong in the kingdom of Jesus because we are called to truth. Rid yourselves of all envy, not just envying what other people have, but of other people's station in life. Rid yourselves of all slander, which would go all the way to the place of describing or characterizing someone in a way that Jesus does not characterize or describe them. That's slander. You know why? Because it's, it's talking about someone in a way that God does not talk about them. That's how far slander reaches. This is like a newborn infant, like a baby, Desire the, you desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. You see, we, when we receive Jesus, we have salvation, forgiveness, but we have to grow up into our salvation. It is not done at that moment. Yes, we have Jesus and the forgiveness of our sins and we are made new, but we need to grow up like an infant grows up with nourishment. We need to grow up into our salvation and mature, and become a child, and become an adolescent, and become an adult. 
in the power of Jesus Christ and in the guidance of the word. And how is growing into our salvation? Well, it's purifying ourselves through obedience in loving one another and getting rid of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Contingent on if you have tasted that the Lord is good. If God has been good to you at all, then, then this applies to you. If God hasn't been good to you, if God hasn't forgiven your sins, if God hasn't accepted you as you are, if God hasn't sacrificed his son to die for you, then don't worry about this. This isn't for you because you haven't tasted and received the goodness of God. But if you have, if you once were a slave to your sin and separated from, from Jesus, and now you're not, then you've tasted God's goodness. As you come to him, come to him a living stone. Who? As you come to Jesus, a living stone. Jesus is described in this as a living stone, and that is really important in this moment. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, that Jesus is this living stone that was rejected by people, but honored by God, and he is the stone that all other stones are measured by. Listen to what he says. As you come to him, a living stone, you yourselves as living stones. Jesus is the living stone and we are now living stones. That is the imperishable seed that we are coming from. We are stones. Why is that important? It's because what Jesus is doing with the stones, the living stones that we are. Look at the next thing. He says, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house. You and I and everyone else who's a living stone, whether you get along with them or not, are being built into a spiritual house. What happens to a stone house that the stones don't cooperate with each other? <laughs> it's not a house. And so it doesn't matter what I think of the person under me or beside me or over me in the house that I am being built into. That's where God, the, the father, the builder has placed me in this spiritual house as a living stone. And I've been placed in reference to the living stone, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the cornerstone is the stone that everything else in this spiritual house is trued to. And so why, why, why is it important that we love one another? It's because we build a house, a spiritual house. That's why it's important. Because this house will not stand if we do not love one another. If we dismiss others because of whatever reasons, 
this house will not stand. He says, you yourself as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood. We're being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, so here, we, we, are being, we are being built into a house of priests. So not only are we this house that fits together that God is making, but we are a priesthood. We are men and women who are priests of God. You know what priests do? They intercede on the behalf of the people. Our identity demands that we intercede on behalf of all the people of humanity. The ones we like and the ones we don't like. The ones we agree with, the ones we don't agree with. A priest represents God to the people. Here's a question for us. Do I, do you represent God accurately to people? When they see you and your life and your behavior and the words that come out of your mouth, do they get an accurate picture of who God is? Because you are a priest and you represent God to the people. A priest also represents people to God in the form of intercession. A priest points people toward God and prays people toward God. So we were being built into a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. So whoever believes and whoever is true to this cornerstone, this living stone, whatever living stones are true to that, then they will not be put to shame. They'll be placed in the strong spiritual house, a priesthood who is interceding on behalf of the world and who is representing accurately God to the people, his desire for them to become his own possession. But for those who do not believe the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word. What word do they disobey? They don't love one another. They do not walk in fellowship of the spirit, unity of the spirit. As they were destined to. This next part is so important because this is who you are. If you have come to Christ for salvation, this is who you are. And I, I want everyone to stand as you hear your identity. I want you to stand because this is so important that you hear and you have an opportunity to receive and recognize who you are regardless of what you've heard or what anyone else has said. 
but you. Every one of you. But you are a chosen race. You who are standing are a chosen race. It, you've been born of another seed into a new race, a chosen race. You may not look like other people around you. You may have different skin. You may have come from different cultures. You may be a different ethnicity, but you are a chosen race by God himself. But you are a royal priesthood. Your identity is that you are part of the royal family. You are a royal And you are not only part of that royal family of God's kingdom, King Jesus, but you are also a priest. You are a royal family member and you are a priest who has been called to accurately represent the king to all of creation. But you are a holy nation. You are a holy nation. You are not bounded by geographical boundaries. You are not part of this nation. And if you are a priest in the Ukraine, then you are not part of the nation of Ukraine. You are a holy nation, a nation set apart that has no boundaries, that has no geographical position. It is worldwide and global that you are a holy nation with all of the other priests and this race that God has has chosen. You are, we are a holy nation. We don't have geographical boundaries and we don't have a government. We are a holy nation. But you are a people for his possession. You are the possession of God himself. You are possessed by God. In fact, he says you are his treasured possession. I don't know if the lyric of that song we sang hit you funny, but... If you're looking for a heart that's your reward, I am yours. Does that sound arrogant that we would say that I can be God's reward? Yet he calls us his treasured possession. Is the one undivided heart that you live in and with as an offering to God, is that a reward for him? Absolutely, because that is his treasured possession. You see, this is our identity. You are born of a seed that is imperishable, that makes your identity a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's possession. so that you may proclaim the praises, you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You can have a seat. 
Because of your identity, the seed that you have been born of, what should characterize you because of who you are is the praise of Jesus and what he's done. That's what people should know us for because that is our identity. I'm gonna try not to mess this up this time. But we live in a culture and a world where a boy can say that he identifies as a girl and we get all up in arms about it. It is more legitimate for a boy to claim that he identifies as a girl than a person who is a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a possession of God to not love others. Does that make sense? He says, once you were not a people, and now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you, were, you did not receive mercy, now you receive mercy. One of the reasons that I feel like this text is best just mostly read is because God draws a line for us because of who we are, who he has made us to be. Our identity is absolute. And our being and our, and our conduct is determined by our identity. Yet so many of us are identity fluid and we think we're something that we're not because of our conduct and our behavior, our thoughts. We've been born again by an imperishable seed that makes us something absolute. Holiness is being set apart. Holiness is being different and distinct like God is different and distinct in his being and his conduct. I think that there's no mistake that throughout scriptures, the second greatest command is love one another. The way that this spiritual house stands with living stones is that we love one another. One of the, one of the main priestly functions, or if you can go for priest, make it into a verb, priesting. <laughs> if you are priesting, you are living in the waters of forgiveness. And, and there are major hurdles 
in this spiritual house, in this royal priesthood, because people are difficult. And I think I can come up with maybe three categories of how people are difficult to love or who's hard to love, who's hard to live in the, in the waters of forgiveness with. First is our families. Families are hard to love. I know way too many families that adult parents don't talk to adult children because of something that happened or something that was done or something that was said. And it's real and it's hard and it stinks. But part of purifying myself is obedience to the truth, which is to love others. It means that I may have to say I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that I have to step into a toxic or abusive relationship. But it does mean that because of my identity, I can't live in unforgiveness or hatred. I think another area of hurdle is just the community. And, and I use that loosely because I include the church family in that because church is a family, but just for maybe a distinction of terms. But people are hard to love. People in our own church are hard to love. People in other churches are hard to love. People across the, the country are hard to love. People around the globe are hard to love. In various communities, But because of who we are, we have to love. And then I would say those who are distant. People we don't even know, but we talk about in ways that Jesus would not talk about them. Whether they're politicians who have dis disappointed us or they're celebrities, both sacred and secular celebrities who we don't agree with. And we speak about them in ways with words that you would never hear Jesus talking about them that way. That from that distance, we need to love because we are built with many of them in the same house. I mean, we can go to a different church, but we're still part of the same house. And, and, and so, here's my struggle. But a month and a half ago, I got, I mean, most of you know I'm not a fan of Facebook, but I got a friend request. And I don't usually, I mean, I just don't pay much attention to Facebook. But this stuck out. Because a person from my past who I would describe and characterize from my experience and everyone else that he had any kind of relationship with is a liar, a manipulator, and lives a fake life, has left a wake of damage and destruction in his past, and has recently paid for some of the things that he's done. 
And then out of nowhere, I get a friend request from this person. I'll be really honest because my first thing was, he's a monster, and I hate this person. But in that, I have some identity fluidity, don't I? Because if I am a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person of God's own possession, I don't get to do that. So I have to figure out what I'm gonna do with this. I have to do something because I've just admitted it to all of you. (laughs) So I'm working through that. But I know where I need to arrive because of my identity. And that dictates the direction I go with this. doesn't mean we need to be in each other's lives. But it does mean that I cannot hold on to the things I've held on to. And you know what? That's impossible. It's impossible. One of the things that has struck me that makes this kind of living possible is that Jesus as he was with his disciples in a room, which should have been a strategy session on how to defeat the Pharisees and the temple guard, he brought them not to a strategy session, but to a table. And at that table he brought them to, he didn't say, we're gonna go to the garden and we're gonna fight. He said, our fight is here at the table And he took bread and said, this is how we fight. By giving up our bodies, our broken bodies, for the salvation of those that hate us. And and rather than him saying, "This this cup represents the blood of my enemies that we will spill, he said, this cup is my blood of my covenant. We as the priesthood, we do not fight the world with politics or voting or or posturing or protesting. We fight at the table on our knees together with one another, remembering what Jesus did and what he said and how he taught us to wage war is very different than how we think that we win. So this morning, I invite us to the table. And it is only through that table that you can obey and make yourself pure. I believe that we probably all 
Maybe there's some exceptions, but I think probably all of us have a need to either forgive someone or go say I'm sorry to someone. And they could be in this room. They probably aren't. But that's one of the first steps in living out your priestliness. And that's hard. But Jesus invites us to a table. This is how we fight. We come to the table. And it's not just remembering something that Jesus did. It's not just symbolic. This is is something real that happens in us when he invites us to his table and we take communion together. We feel like we're surrounded with so much garbage. But just like Elisha saying to his servant, who was freaked out by the enemy and camped around them, but look who's surrounding them. I want to offer us an opportunity in the next moments to just let God speak to us. Because I believe God has drawn a very real line for his church. I think it starts here. Spiritual house, God wants us to be will not stand if we aren't living stones that walk in the unity of the Spirit and swim in the waters of forgiveness.
This is how I fight. I lay myself down for you. This is how I fight. I lay it all down for you. At that table, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, This is how we win. This is how we fight. He said, Do this, remembering what I've done for you. Then Jesus took the cup. In breaking from every leader in history, he didn't say we will spill the blood of our enemies, but he said, I will spill my blood on my enemy's behalf. This is how we fight. And this is how we win. Because we don't win by correcting others. We win by drawing others into God's kingdom. So I said, take and drink. Thank you, Father, that you love the world so much that you sent your only son. So please help us to love the world with extraordinary generosity. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave up everything and died for me, for every one of us. Please help me to lay down my life for those who don't know you yet. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving those first disciples 
such incredible courage and power. Please fill us now with that same power for this week. As we go out as a people who know who we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint.